You speak to us, Holy Spirit, as you have been over these last few minutes in our worship. Thank you so much, Lord. So many of the words that have been brought and shared are already on my heart and the stories and the passages already in the notes for my sermon this morning. Lord, I love it when that happens. And Lord, I believe you want to speak to us today and are speaking to us. And we just invite you to continue to quicken our hearts as we respond to you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Great. Well, Happy New Year. It's good to see you and great to be with you. And uh, Happy Christmas if you're from Eastern Europe, the old Orthodox world. It's your Christmas Day tomorrow. Christmas Eve today, isn't it? So Happy Christmas if you're catching up. Um, And if you're listening to this on playback somewhere, if you're watching this on Dave, as they say on the telly, then Happy New Year and Happy Christmas and whatever else uh, you want to be thanked for. Um, Looking forward very much to... uh, the week of prayer and fasting, as Dave's mentioned. So thrilled, really, uh, with our Christmas run-up. Uh, thank you, each one of you, that, that took seriously your responsibility to pray for friends and neighbours, work colleagues, schoolmates, uh, to invite them. Well done on all those bold conversations. We had so many guests. Uh, messy Christmas, our carol service, other events that we put on over the, the Christmas month. So well done. If your guests came, well done if they didn't come, but you still had a courageous conversation. Um, We believe and we continue to pray as we enter this week of prayer and fasting that every seed sown for the kingdom will be bearing fruit uh, in people's lives. Can I hear an amen to that please? Well done. The, The kingdom vision that we are caught up in as disciples of Jesus Christ in the 21st century in Crawley means that we fight on many fronts All kinds of things uh, going on, both here locally and to the ends of the earth uh, as well. But this week and next week, I want to look particularly at some very specific parts of that vision that we've called over the last two or three years our 2020 vision. It's nothing new, it's nothing separate. It it really kind of fine-tunes some of the areas of our bigger kingdom plan and says, what do they look like here for us in Crawley over the next year or so? And you may have realised it by now but we've just ticked over into 2019 and 2020 is just a year away. Uh, And so uh, this morning and next week, I want to unpack some of that. We've touched this before uh, in previous months and years, but it's getting close now. Uh, It's not enough just to talk about it in general. We've got to look at some specifics. Um, This week, actually, I've I've kind of struggled a bit over Christmas. I've because you imagine you're going to come with a big kind of pumped up vision message at the start of the year, rolling in a year to 2020. This is the antithesis, the opposite of the big pumped up vision message. It's kind of inside out and upside down. Um, I felt really the Lord challenging me as he has this morning through the words brought already about our hearts. Yeah, there are some very practical steps if we're going to walk towards some of the 2020 vision that some things we can do and will do. It's important that we do. We don't neglect that stuff, but we don't aim at the practical and leave aside the issues of our heart. In fact, they're both sides of the same coin, I would imagine, Uh, but we attend to the heart first. So I'm going to teach today on on working out vision in slowness and weakness, Um, some of the things we've heard this morning about dependence on him, about unlearning some self-dependence, the scope of the vision We have here, we've often said this and prayed it, it outweighs our resources. We have a vision that outweighs our resources. Often when I've used that phrase, we've we've then, it's carried us forward into praying big faith prayers, taking big faith steps. Next week I will look at some 
stewardship steps we can take together that will help us to progress the vision God's given us. There are some things we can and must do through faith and obedience. Um, But this vision doesn't just outweigh the resources of our stewardship. Practically, it outweighs the resources of my heart and your heart. I can't remember whether it was Amy said it or Chris said it this morning. We just can't do it, the stuff that God's called us to. Uh, Can we just admit that this morning? God, the things you're calling me to, I I, I just haven't got it. I I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Uh, I hope that reassures you in some strange way this morning. This vision outweighs the resources of our own natural uh, hearts, our own strength. Uh, we can't manage it ourselves. Let's turn to some scriptures that maybe will help us. 1 Corinthians uh, 1, Paul's writing about the gospel and some divisions in the, in the church. Uh, and into that context, uh, I'll pick up in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you're in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And uh, a great passage about the kind of weakness I've just been describing. Perhaps just a couple on the strength that is promised to weak people. And I'm spoiling the plot, but, but I think you know what's coming. We're not just left in our weakness. Luke 24, just... Picking one verse, I could have picked many. Um, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's just given the disciples a vision which outweighs their resources by saying, you're going to proclaim me and my name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Here's this rabble of disciples that have run away when he's been crucified. Uh, And into that great big vision, uh, he says, uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, um, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Did he, did he get some clothes for Christmas, some new garments to put on? Hey, well, in our garments of weakness, there are garments of strength that are given to us and that we will get clothed in. Uh, that's good news for those of us who feel weak. And perhaps one more, just Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And uh, verse, uh, I'll, I'll pick up at verse 18, just read a couple of verses there. Again, Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus. He's praying their eyes will be open to the, the kind of uh, power and strength that God has for us. Um, and uh, in verse 18, he's praying that the eyes of our heart may be opened uh, and that his inc- we might know his incomparably, that means there's nothing to compare to it, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That, what's that power like? This power that he wants us to see. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, God's mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him uh, at, the, at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, if you thought that was enough, but in the age to come as well. God's placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, to be head of everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. 
that just about covers it, I think. So again, if you're saying, Lord, I'm, I'm aware I'm clothed in weakness, you're promising that I'm somehow going to be clothed with mighty strength. What is that strength like? It's the same strength that we're going to be clothed in that was exerted, that was used to raise Jesus Christ out from the grave, to raise him to newness of life, and then to raise him up into heaven where he now sits in that strength and power and authority in heaven with everything under his feet, not just today, but forever and ever and ever on into the future infinity. That's what that power looks like that is promised for those who believe to be clothed in you and me. Hard to believe, but a promise from the scriptures. Yeah, well done, Tony. Glad you're on the front row. Well, that's good. Always nice to have an encourager. I I get a text from Tony uh, quite regularly, and I I, I said to Cass, I've got a Tony text, because they're so encouraging. They do my heart good. It's great to have you here in person as well, Tony, not (laughs) not just over the phone. At the end of 2015, I was flying back from, uh, from Romania. We'd been, um, we were at the beginnings of, of working towards a little church plant uh, there in the north of Romania. Many of you will know Flavius. It hasn't worked out. We've talked about that uh, before over the, the last year. At that point, we were at the run-in stage to it. Um, and and uh, as I was coming back on the plane from Romania at the end of 2015, I was just reviewing in my mind. I felt it was a bit of a God moment. Uh, and I was just alert to some of the areas where we'd seen a few breakthroughs through the year in terms of finance, healing, baptism, leadership development, those kinds of things. And I, I just said so strongly in the moment, had to write some things down, uh, a challenge from the Lord where he was asking me, do you believe me for what you've seen this year uh, through the, as you review 2015, that by the end of 2020, you could have seen a multiplication of these kinds of things? Do you believe me for that? And as I went through it in my mind and wrote some things down with, with fear and trembling, and genuinely that was true, um, it was like it was just me on the Wizz Air flight coming back from Cluj. I, I said to the Lord, yeah, I, I believe you. Lord, it felt impossible. It felt like it needed a huge injection of courage. It seemed outrageous. I think one of the phrases we've used since in, in prayer is this, you never can tell in the plan of God where simple steps of courageous obedience might take you. And I, th- I think even just that moment of obedience, saying, yeah, God, I, I believe you for this, though, though I don't know how, it, it begins to take us on a journey together. As I say, next week, we'll look at some specific uh, shape for these 2020 goals. Um, but for now, let me just give you the headlines, and, and then we'll look at our, our weakness and look at the specifics next week. So here were the, the, the six areas, where seven areas, where I felt God say, do you believe me for a multiplication uh, in the year 2020? I felt him ask me, do you believe me to have the privilege of giving away £60,000 in the year 2020. Do you believe me to pray for healing for 1,500 people outside of the church community in the year 2020? Do you believe me to baptise 140 uh, in the year 2020? Do you believe me to be involved in planting another church of some description? Do you believe me to have the opportunity and the privilege of giving away more great leaders? Do you believe me that it will be, even amongst all this other stuff, an opportunity to be involved in the next phase of the building project at this church centre? And do you believe me to be a church that is able to feed Crawley through the development of Mercy Ministries? They were the seven areas where I felt God just challenging my heart and where a, uh, a fearful but resounding yes came back out of my mouth as I prayed on the plane. Since then, we've been kind of leaning into it a little bit. Uh, in our prayer uh, and in our equipping, you may not have noticed, but there is a bit of a plan 
uh, and uh, our equipping has been in order to try and shape us into the kind of people that might live within these promises. Even what we looked at last term with the questions, what have, what have I got in my hand, Lord? That question God asked of Moses, or the what have we got in our house? The question that was asked prophetically of the widow uh, who said, I've just got a little oil, but, but Lord, I'll, I'll begin to pour and, and trust you. We've been asking those kinds of questions because we want to develop into the kind of people that can live in this kind of vision that is beyond our resources. I was thinking this week and just reflecting, I think if you'd asked me at the time when I got off the plane at Luton Airport, uh, great, you've signed up to a big vision, uh, what's it going to look like? I probably would have imagined, if I could draw a graph now, that there would just be this gradual 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, this gradual kind of year-on-year -year growth on the curve, a nice smooth, those of you who like graphs and curves, and maybe you're a 5% growth a year kind of guy. Uh, and I, I guess if you'd asked me at 2015, what will progress in these areas look like. I might have said, well, I would imagine if we're going to get from here to here, it'll look something like that. I, I think from our own experience and from looking at the scriptures, I don't believe that's the way that God works. He's sadly, for those of us who like to manage things, not, doesn't tend to be generally a 5% year-on-year kind of God. Um, it's great hearing some of the stories that were shared already this morning. I was reflecting on Moses this week, Mo Moses was rescued out of the River Nile as a baby with a call on him to rescue God's people. He didn't know it straight away. Obviously, something grew in him as he was brought up as a prince of Egypt. It, the scriptures say it was when he was age 40 that he began to kind of wrestle with his calling. He killed an Egyptian. He tried to take into his own hands his destiny to be the rescuer of God's people. His people rejected him and he ran away. Uh, into the desert looking after sheep. Another 40 years, 80 years old now, before Moses comes back into what we would call his prime, uh, finally into his calling, where before Pharaoh he says, let my people go, and the people of God come out of Egypt towards the promised land. Hey, if you know the story, it's another 40 years then of wandering around in the wilderness before they get into the promised land. In fact, Moses doesn't even enter the promised land, 120 years of shaping his vision and his destiny, he doesn't even get through the door at the end. It's extraordinary. Uh, think, I think Chris mentioned Abraham this morning. Abraham, uh, in Genesis 12:1, God calls him out of his father's house, his pagan uh, heritage and background, and says, follow me, gives him a revelation of the true God, uh, and says, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the start. I'm going to make for myself a people, God says, through you, Abraham. Then it's 30 years, church, of waiting 30 years of, of heartache and heartbreak and apparent failure and even at times taking it into his own hands because he doesn't seem to believe that God is ever going to do what he's promised. 30 years until Genesis chapter 21. It's only 10 chapters, 10 pages or so in our Bibles, but it's 30 years in Abraham's life from a man who didn't know the end of the story before Isaac is born and this promise begins to get unfolded in Abraham's life. That ain't a 5% year-on-year line that you can plot. What about Gideon? Uh, Judges 6, he's called from a place of real fear, uh, from the least of the tribes of Israel, he says, Judges 6. Uh, and God says, no, you're the one that's going to defeat the Midianites who are oppressing God's people. 
And when, when Gideon does finally pull an army together, um, God then strips back the little strength that he does have. Uh, I think Judges 7-2, God says to Gideon and his army, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. It's amazing, isn't it? When we read in 1 Corinthians earlier, we said uh, that, that our weakness is in order that we might boast in the Lord. I think that, that is shaped very much by Gideon's experience in Judges 7, where it says, hey, if you do it in your own strength, you'll boast against me, says the Lord, and so I'm going to whittle down your army a little. And so Gideon, in obedience, sees his army decimated from 32,000. to He sends them all home until he's got 300 men uh, against an enemy that Judges 7 tells us they're camped down in the valley, the Midianites, and they are as thick as locusts. That's not a comment on their intelligence. Uh, that's a comment on, on their numerical strength. And, and he goes at them with 300. Of course, God gives them the victory so that they may boast in the Lord. Been thinking about David in 1 Samuel 16. David, who was anointed by Samuel to be king while he's still a shepherd boy. The magic doesn't happen straight away. He goes back to being a shepherd boy. Next time we see David, he's carrying cheese to the front line where his big brothers are fighting. He's carrying the lunches. He takes the lunchbox. Um, even when he steps into his call and he takes out Goliath uh, and the army see a great victory, he's not then crowned king. He's got years of service under a lesser man while the promise that he would be king must have taunted him day after day. It must have broken his heart. Friends, that's the Bible curve of preparation for those who carry great promise. Uh, I, many of you could stand up and give your own testimony, as, as can I. I, Chris, stood up this morning. I mean, they followed God obediently to go serve in Italy. And they think, well, what was that all about a year later when they come back and now serve with us here in Crawley? There's a, there are curves of development that take us through weakness disappointment, even discouragement from time to time. You can write your own story, even apparent defeat. It, it, development out of weakness in the kingdom of God doesn't come with any kind of self-development plan that we would recognize and measurable goals. It comes with weakness. It comes with apparent defeat. It comes sometimes with shame and ridicule and doubt and an overwhelming desire to run away and hide or take things into our own hands. I, I think, in fact, there are probably those two extreme reactions to the, the promise of God on us when it's developed through weakness. Number one is that we do shrink back. Um, we give up. We run away. We hide away. Maybe you haven't run away physically, but in your heart you think, I'm just not engaged with the vision of God anymore. You're like one of those Arsenal footballers um, who has bottled it. And uh, they're on the pitch still week after week but they're hiding from the ball. They don't want to receive it. They're, they're still there. They're still functioning. No one would know necessarily unless you look closely, but they're not really engaged anymore with any courage or confidence. We've hidden away in our hearts. Yeah, I turn up, but the promise has died in my heart. We shrink back. Is that, does that describe you this morning? We certainly see it in these stories we've just looked at. The other extreme that we must be beware of is um, one of self-sufficiency, taking it into my own hands, uh, God doesn't seem to be doing what he said he'd do very well. Therefore, let me manage this for you, God. Uh, let me make a way. The, the one response, the one extreme hiding away, it's rooted in fear and unbelief. The other, I guess it's rooted in, in pride and self-sufficiency. Wherever you find yourself on that scale, both responses are wrong and both need repenting of. Here's the right response. 
and we see it through these characters in the stories we've looked at today. God gives his people this kind of promise with this kind of development through weakness plan in order that we might be those who get to boast in the Lord when he finally does what he's promised to do through weak and ordinary disciples like you and me. So uh, this morning, here's my, my anti-vision sermon. Okay, If you're feeling pumped up and ready for the 2020 promises, no, probably not. Great, we're in really good company with the men and women of the scriptures. And all these heroes, all these pioneers of the faith, they point us ultimately to the, the one hero and the one pioneer of our faith, Jesus Christ. They all lead us, they all point ultimately, all these Old Testament stories that are true, they point us to the gospel. Um, really, even when we preach Vision Sunday sermons, it's not about preaching vision, um, it's, about, it's about preaching Jesus. It's about provoking one another, hey, let's look to Jesus, let's get our eyes on him. If we get our eyes on Jesus and our hearts on him, we won't lack for vision. Uh, we'll find that he pulls us into all kinds of adventures. But our priority is to know him and to follow him wholeheartedly. He's the fulfillment of, of this. Jesus is the truly strong one who became weak for us. He's the one who, he's the only one who's ever perfectly followed his heavenly father's plan without wavering and without weakening. He's the one, the scriptures say, that for whom, uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and scorned its shame. He's the one who pioneered where there seemed no way. He's the one who at the very end of all this vision will welcome us into his father's house and say, well done, good and faithful servants. Um, Any other vision, it's it's man-made. We can forget about it. Um, It's all about Jesus. So that's why we say, Jesus, we just want to love you more passionately. We really do want to love one another more authentically. And we really do want to express that love up in and out, out, outward to the town of those uh, around us. That's why we ask the question, God, what have I got in my hands that I might live out this pioneering vision out of my weakness? Yeah, I look in my hands. What have I got in my hands? What have we got in this house? We've got, we've got a, I've got a great big promise written down on a scrap of paper and then a whole load of weakness and inadequacy. That's what I seem to have. I go through my pockets, yeah, an old boiled sweet with some fluff on. There's half a mint there. There's usually a two pence coin or something like that. I've usually got a pebble from the beach. I, I, we haven't got some super resource in our pockets, but we have some weakness. We have a lot of waiting, a lot of wandering and, and wandering with an A. If English isn't your first language, sorry about that. Both types of wandering. Uh, a whole lot of two steps forward and one step back, one step back. A whole lot of the mechanics at Halfords yesterday that were looking at my car and scratching their heads and sucking in air. Through it. We have a whole lot of that experience as we look at the promise that God's called us to. But surely we have a saviour who we can trust in and who we will make our boast in as he does what he's going to do. Yes, we're feeling weakness very strongly. More aware, I've been talking over the Christmas time about the, the, these two words that define the kingdom of God, slowly and suddenly. I'm much more aware of the slowlies of the kingdom than the suddenlies. It's about being faithful and obedient. Yeah, we're, we're right up close now to a 2020 vision that seems like, oh, that was a nice hill three, four years ago. Now it's a mountain that I can't scale um, I either have to believe you, God, or I've got to walk away from it. Hallelujah. We get, welcome to the team, disciples. This is what it's like uh, for those on the curve of weakness and development in God's kingdom. Um, I was just looking at some of the words uh, that are translated weakness in our New Testament scriptures 
uh, in 1 Corinthians, the passage I read, first of all, uh, the, where it speaks about the, God's chosen the weak things of this world. The Greek word, asthenes, is translated weakness. It's contrasted with, weakness is contrasted with, with the wise, the noble, the influential, and the strong. And we've been, we've been wired in, in our Western culture that the ways to get ahead and get on in life are to be more noble, more influential, more wise, and more strong. Um, you, you won't find any of this teaching in a, in a kind of Western analysis. You've got to better yourself. You've got to change your life. You've got to stop being a lamb and be more lion. Uh, if you pick up any of the, the new books or podcasts that are out at this time of, of a new year, they'll all fo- all the top podcasts will focus on making your life better, doing life better. They'll speak into the need to increase your wisdom, to, to learn something new. They'll speak into the need for us to increase our influence, to network better, to connect with the right people, to find a place of importance or near to those of importance and influence with the movers and shakers. They'll speak about needing to strengthen ourselves, about physical fitness, about mental fitness, body strength your will, your emotions. Hey, strengthen your finances. Look at your property portfolio and your savings. Friends, all that stuff's got real importance to you and to your life. It's got real value. But the world champions them as idols, boasts in its own strength and its own attainments. None of those enable you to reach the promise that God has actually called you to. We've signed up to a totally different upside-down development plan of the kingdom. We've embraced some kingdom values as followers of Jesus, which are characterized by weakness. We've, we've been raised to demonstrate power in our lives, and yet it seems to be the weak whom God chooses and uses. In the New Testament, the word weakness, asthenes, um, is used in other passages to mean things like this, strengthless, impotent, physically weak, feeble, sick, It describes those who are unable to handle life on their own. The kind of people that the author Brennan Manning would describe as having the cheese falling off their cracker. Those kind of people. If that describes you this morning, you're in the story with me. Um, Later on in 1 Corinthians, the same word is used to describe the whole church who are unable to keep their spiritual fervor in their own strength. It speaks to individuals. It speaks to churches. We're totally dependent on coming to the one who is truly strong. We're totally dependent, church, on coming to the one who has all the resources, all the strength, all the power, all the influence. It's all in Jesus Christ. We, when we come to him, we're repenting of our self-sufficiency. All the bankrupt ideas we've signed up for and been trained in. I'm laying down my strength, laying down what knowledge I have. I'm acknowledging with a humble and weak heart, Jesus, I need you. In, back to the passage we started with, Jesus, you're all the wisdom I need. You're all the righteousness I need. You're all the holiness I need. You're all the redemption I'll ever need. For, from now on, my life is not my own. It's yours. It's, it's, it's all about you. I'll boast in your strength. I'll live in you. I'll live in your promise. In fact, the first day we came to Jesus Christ, that's what we actually prayed. We abandoned ourselves. Uh, in all of our weakness. We were dead in our sins, the Bible says. You had no strength. You contributed nothing. Uh, when we first pitched up in the kingdom of God, we came completely aware of our weakness like a newborn baby. What, why would we now walk thinking, oh, I've got some of my own strength? No, no. We need to continue praying the prayers that, we, that first brought us into the gospel and illuminated it in our hearts. Maybe some of you are praying that for the first time today. I think God loves that kind of weakness. It triggers his action, his power, his provision. 
the unfolding of his promises. Psalm 34, I love, uh, verse 8 to 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Those who fear him lack nothing. The lions grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. What a promise. Isaiah 40, we often uh, sing this one. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Do you not know, church, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Hallelujah. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men can stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. These are remarkable promises for sustaining us that we can take hold of. What help there is for those who acknowledge their weakness and our need for his strength. I'm weak in my pr- I'm, we're approaching a prayer week. Dave's just encouraged us. Yeah, we're up for it. I, I'm, I'm so weak in my prayer life. Thank, thank the Lord he helps us in that as well. Romans 8, 26, I was reading earlier this week. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, in prayer. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. What a helper. Hebrews 4.15, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. There's that word asthenes again. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, whatever our weakness that we acknowledge before him, there is provision from the Spirit, there is grace and mercy from one who's pioneered before us in our time of need that is given. Maybe we thought this morning, as those words encouraged us earlier, that our weakness somehow disqualifies us. Maybe we've come today ready to shrink back. or We're even here, but we're not really on the pitch playing, wanting to receive the ball. Maybe we've thought, I'm just going to take it into my own hands and make a plan of my own. I'm going to manage this thing better because God seems slow and quiet. And then we discover that in our weakness, we're perfectly positioned to receive his incredible help and strength in order that we may be able to boast in the Lord and his victories one day more readily. Hallelujah. Um, probably if you'd asked me 18 months ago, I would have said, I, I think we've got this 2020 vision. I was a little bit more pumped up then than I am now. I, I, I feel like some of my ideas and, and my dreams have shrunk back a little bit. I felt a little bit like Samson with his, with his hair shorn and his eyes plucked out. That's a gruesome story. Uh, his diminished strength. I feel a bit like Gideon with his down to the 300 rather than looking around at 32,000 and thinking, yeah, we got this. Um, feel a bit like, uh, a, a bit like David. Yeah, I, love, I love it when David's chosen and there's all these bigger, better-looking older brothers coming in, rippling their muscles. And Samuel, the prophet, says, is there another one? Oh, yeah, we've got the boy who's out the back serving the sheep and this sinewy young boy who's probably in that sort of lanky adolescent phase. Sorry, lanky adolescents that are in the room, <laughs> not looking anywhere. Um, but he's got something about him, but he, he, he's wishing he was more like his brothers. Um, I pray, God, there are better guys. There are stronger men and leaders and churches. You could have given this promise to carry, and yet you choose people in their weakness. I love the story of David at Adullam's cave. He, I mean, he's with this little ragtag group He's being hunted down for his life by this lesser king, Saul, while he has the 
promise. He's hanging on. Again, he doesn't know the end of the story. He hasn't had the benefit of turning a few pages and seeing it works out all right in the end. He probably thinks he's going to die there. And he's looking around at this little army of the disappointed and the discontented and the displaced, but he's believing God. And maybe like the 120 that said, okay, God, we're watching you ascend into heaven, and now we're going to wait in Jerusalem to be clothed with power. Again, they didn't know Acts chapter 2 was about to come. They were just hanging on to a promise. Friends, you're in the right position. You've taken the right posture in weakness, but ready for his strength, ready to receive fresh faith. I love the way at the end of Hebrews 11 it goes in detail about some of the heroes of the faith and then like any good preacher as I am now runs out of time and starts talking in just one or two verses about loads of characters with amazing stories and it says of each of them their weakness was turned to strength as they trusted in God. That's how it works in the Bible economy. The weak become strong. Grace is given to the humble of heart. The poor and the broken get lifted up again into God's Promises. God chooses the foolish things, the despised. It's who we were when he called us. And so he wants to shape that in us. Let me finish and we'll pray and break bread together. Joe, can you come and help us wherever you are? There you are, thank you. Last, I think it was February or March, we were having breakfast with some friends, with Danny and G, Kaz and I, and they, they prophesied into our lives. I remember Danny saying, um, I, I felt like I was drowning. Danny said, yeah, you're in the storm like the disciples in the boat with Jesus. Uh, And I was fighting against being in the boat. Danny said, prophesied into my heart, he said, uh, Jesus wants you in the boat. It was a revelation to me. He wants you in the boat because his will is that when you get out the other side, you're a different man. When we get out the other side, we're different people. He doesn't just want me and you to be storm survivors. Well, I'm lying on the beach, spitting out some water. I made it. I'm alive. Great. Well done. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, but someone who in that boat and in that storm has died to all the old ways, all the, all the old priorities you've, you've jettisoned, thrown overboard, every bit of human wisdom that has proved inadequate in the storm. You've been stripped back to the only solution, to cry out to God in your weakness for his help. And then in the weakness finding this provision of strength and purpose that's greater than we could imagine. Friends, we're not lying on the beach spitting out water. (laughs) We're up and on our feet. We've got a call. We've got a mission. We're like Jonah. When Jonah got spat out by the whale, vomited onto the beach. Yeah, I said vomit in a sermon. Um, And he's on dry land. Probably for a moment, yeah, how did I survive that? Then he's up on his feet. Which way is Nineveh? Point me to Nineveh. I've got a mission from God that I've got to get on with. And friends, we're up and out, and we're saying, God, which way is Crawley? Point me to the lost. Point me to the broken. Point me to generous acts. Point me to kingdom breakthrough. We've been born again for this purpose, and you brought us through stuff in order that we might be so radically different, aware of our weakness, but clothed in your mighty strength. God loves that kind of weakness. Even as we approach a week of prayer and fasting, fasting's great. Let me challenge you to fasting in this next couple of weeks. More than anything, it produces a weakness in me and in you. It's a daily growling reminder in my belly um, that uh, I, I need something that I don't have. It's a, it's a, a physical um, thing that, that has a spiritual reality behind it. I, I, I have to get more of God. I have to go to him in my weakness. I have to slow down and change my pace and look to him to fill me with his strength. And I encourage you to pray that way over the next week as we turn 
away from all the strong ways of the world and give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ in our weakness. Let's trade it in, church. Let's trade in one for the other. Strength for weakness. Holding it all together for brokenness. Our plans for his ways. I'm so weak, Lord, but you make me strong. I'm so broken. Make me whole. I'm so afraid. Make me courageous. (laughs) I believe God loves those kinds of weak people. 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can we stand and pray, please? Next week, we'll look at the specific stewardship. Jackie's world was really interested this morning. I I think I'm going to look at the story of Joseph. His own brothers tried to kill him. He was sold into slavery, got promoted, then he's in prison. He's overlooked every time he operates in his gift. Don't know where you're at in your weakness this morning, friends in the church, but I'm here to tell you today it's it's not the end of the story. (laughs) We're going to turn the page. I'm here to tell you today it's the wherever you're at right now in your weakness, it's the preparation for what God is really doing in you and in me. Imagine that. Lord Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves to you this morning. All that we have in our hands and our hearts. Lord God, thank you. Lord, you know the measure that you're giving to us. We offer ourselves to you this morning. Oh, thank you for that prophetic word Steve Brading brought over us just a few weeks ago for us as a church to change from Psalm 102 to Psalm 103. You, you were like an owl among the ruins. Now you're going to be like an eagle soaring in the thermals. Lord, we receive that, not because we can do it in our own strength, but because you're about a great work, Lord. We thank you for breaking the logjam. There there's a kingdom rush and momentum coming. There are some suddenlies alongside the slowlies and the weakness. Lord, we come into line with every man and woman we've touched on in the scriptures this morning whose hearts you've prepared through humility. We acknowledge our weakness and our emptiness and our complete inadequacy in our own strength. In fact, we rejoice in it, Lord. We recognize apart from you we can do nothing. Yeah, why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord? We're going to break bread in a moment. Just gather around his table. We're a week away from a week of prayer and fasting. We're going to eat and drink. We're going to fill up on the Lord Jesus Christ. I just feel the Lord declaring over us. Forget the Egyptians, Joseph. I want your heart. Forget the Midianites, Gideon. I want to do a greater work in you. Forget the Philistines, Samson. I'm doing some heart change in you. Forget the struggle to conceive, Hannah. I'm going to birth something in you. Forget the pressure and the expectations of God's people on you, Esther. I'm at work in your heart for such a time as this. Forget the mission to Nineveh, Jonah. I've got things to do in you. (laughs) Crawley Church, forget the 2020 vision. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really important. But God, you're about a work in us. You're going to shape some things in our weakness. Oh God, thank you. We come before an all-sufficient saviour. Lord, would would you give fresh faith this morning? Lord, for those that are out of the boat and running up the beach aimed at Crawley. Yeah, God, thank you. Would you protect us, protect them from running in self-sufficiency, running into pride. Lord, for those who are lying on the beach, spitting out water in weakness and confusion, for those who are carrying physical and mental sickness, Lord God, would you protect them from running into belief, unbelief and shrinking back and fear. Oh God, fill us again with your spirit. May we neither manage things ourselves or give up out of our weakness, but may we come to you and find your mighty strength clothing us 
in a new way. Again, just lift your hands to the Lord if you know you need to be clothed with the same mighty strength that raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you. If you need to repent of shrinking back and running away in unbelief and fear, just repent now. God, I'm so sorry. If you need to repent of managing things yourself, God, you seemed a bit slow. I'm going to steward this myself. I made a golden calf. I look so ugly. God, I'll melt it down now. I'll come back to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You have our hearts. You have our worship. Thank you for inviting us to come to you, the burden lifter. You really do. Thank you for that song Tina sang over us. You're singing it right now. We come to you. We lay down every wrong burden. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Clothe us now with your power. Fill us with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We come to the defender of the weak. We come to the giver of such great promises. Just invite you as we worship, the band will sing something helpful. Just come around the tables. Come in your weakness. Come and eat. Come and drink. Come and fill yourself up on Jesus Christ. That's what the bread and the wine represent. His body broken. His blood spilled for us. When we eat and drink, it's like we're getting born again, again. We're saying, God, I've got nothing. You have everything. I'll receive you again. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're so welcome to come and take communion and become a follower of Jesus this morning. Just come down.